This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. You know, several weeks ago, I had the pleasure of meeting a young listener who was taking a tour of the MZ Television Museum, located right next door to the station here, and one of the staff members there brought him over to meet me when the young man said he was a real fan of Theater of the Mind. What surprised us both was the fact that this young guy, about 10 years of age, was secretly listening to the radio in his bedroom, and his favorite show, The Shadow. So, this being a Friday night and in the middle of summer, mom and dad don't have to worry too much that their son is losing valuable sleep time on a school night. Hopefully, this young guy's tuned in tonight because his favorite show is on. The episode of The Shadow is called Bones of the Dragon. Once again, your neighborhood blue coal dealer brings you the thrilling adventures of the shadow, the hard and relentless fight of one man against the forces of evil. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcefully to old and young alike that crime does not pay. The shadow who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Years ago in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret, the hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama, The Bones of the Dragon. <laughs> Chinatown is beginning its New Year celebration, and today the dragon parades through Mop, Pell, and Doyo streets to the sound of drums and cymbals while admirers offer gifts of money. Lamont Cranston's friend, Johnny Lee, has accompanied the dragon to collect these gifts, and now this evening carries a money box that holds a fortune. Lamont and Margot Lane watch his approach from the side of so there's Johnny Lee now, Margo. Hello, Johnny. Uh, hello, Lamont. Here I you. Right. How do you like the dragon, Margo? He's quite a fellow, but how do they work it? They have two dancers inside. They change about with other dancers. The dragon's been parading all day. Oh, hello, Johnny. Hello. Not finished, are you? Uh, just finished, Lamont. Uh, the parade goes on to the corner, then breaks up. 
Uh, good evening, Miss Lane. Hello, Johnny. That box looks heavy. You must have a lot of money in I it. I have. Uh, quite a few thousand. Oh, that much? Oh, sure. We call it a gift for the dragon. But it is our community chest. Excuse me, please. I want to put this money away. Then I'll be right back. You're far to go. If you do, we can go with you. Oh, no, no. That is all right. Just across the street. Back in a minute. All right, Johnny. Then what are we going to do, Lamont? Then we're going to his uncle's for a real Chinese holiday banquet. His uncle? This is just down the street a bit. His uncle's name is Chung. Very charming old Chinese gentleman. Oh? How long has he known Johnny Lee? Oh, several years now. He helped me on a case once when I was Lamont. Down... What? Just across the street. Johnny opened the door to those offices and then jumped back as if he were frightened. Wait. Someone's come out. That's fine. Who is that? It's a Buhau Doy. What do he's got to do with Lee? What on earth's a Buhau Doy? A hatchet man, one of the Tong's hired killers. He looks like a killer. Right, Margot. Lee does look frightened. Come on, let's cross over. He's got a lot of money there. This may mean trouble. Now they've gone in. Wait a second. Did you hear something? Hear what? I'm not sure, but it may have been a scream right after they closed that door. I thought... Margot, that was a scream. Come on, hurry. Okay, careful now. Here's the door. Close that door quickly. Lamont, Johnny's been stabbed. No. No, Lamont, it isn't John. No, it's the hatchet man. Buhau door. Is he dead? It's quiet. He's dead, the money box is gone, and Johnny Lee along with it. Lamont, who did you talk with at headquarters? Commissioner Weston. Oh, what did he think, that Johnny Lee killed that hatchet man and stole the money? Yes. What do you think? I don't know what to think, Margot. I've known Johnny Lee a long time. Hard for me to believe that he's a thief and a killer. I've been mistaken about people before, and I may have been this time. What are you going to do? Try to find out the truth. I hope we can clear no, it. I mean, where are you going now? Oh, we're already there, Margot. Mm-hmm. We're going to this herb shop. Notice it's right next door to those offices where the hatchet man was killed? Yes, I did, just this moment. It's run by a Chinese named Sin Fu. He told the police a pretty fishy story. Go ahead, Margot. Thanks. Hello? Yes? Well, hello, Alfie. God blimey, what? It's Mr. Cranston. What are you doing here? I work here, Mr. Cranston. Thought you were in jail. I got out two months ago. I'm on parole. Better behave yourself, then. Margo, I want you to meet Mr. Alfie Nemo. If you ever need a pocket picked or someone stabbed in the back, he's your man. I remember that. Where's Sin Fu, Alfie? You want Sin Fu? Oh, hello, Sinfu. Elsie, you will have to excuse us. Oh, that's all right. I got some cleaning up to do. And I've never been in the Chinese herb shop before, Lamont, and I'd like to look around. Go right ahead. Well, Sinfu, I just dropped in to find out why you lied to the police. I lied to police? Not so. Honorable ancestors turn over in gray. Is that so? Come over here a moment, Sinfu. Yes? Now, look out this window. Notice that window next door? That's the way the murderer escaped. Most astonishing, Mr. Cranston. You were here in your shop when that hatchet man was killed, Sinful. The police asked you if you noticed anything. You told them no. The wise man 
answer. You must have heard the hatchet man's screams. It's hard to believe you wouldn't have glanced out this window to see what caused them. Sinful, it... And why did you tell the police you didn't? Is that a... Uh, about trouble? That's the way to get in trouble. What did you see when you looked out this window, Sinful? Sinful see... Johnny Lee. Skate. And toward there. There's a very narrow passage. Yes, I know that passage. I also know he couldn't have escaped down it without either a ladder or an accomplice. He has accomplice. May I see him? He was. Yes? Excuse one moment, Mr. Cranston. Alfred! Uh, what's the matter, Mr. Simpson? What do you do with this door? Why, oh, I was going to clean up in the back. You hear Simpson say, not to go in there? You told me never to go in there? Why, no, sir, we just... Oh! Why, oh, you... You slapped me, did <laughs> Improved memory. I tell you, never go in there. It's not so. Yes, sir. I guess you did. What's the trouble here, Simple? Uh, nothing, Mr. Cranston. Only seven state training. Yes, yeah, quite a problem, I hear. You were saying... Oh, yes. I will speak of this accomplice. Yes. Are you not careful this, Mr. Cranston? I may understand you know and like him. He, Johnny Lee's uncle. Chung. Chung, the accomplice? I don't believe it. So, sir, Mr. Cranston? I'm going to his place and find out if you're telling the truth. You think he tell you? I don't know. There are ways of checking, Sinfu. I don't know. Just a second. I'll try it. It's unlocked. Come on. Oh, should we? We have to, darling. What's that? There's someone in that room there. Speaking in Chinese. It sounds like a chant. Crazy fool. That's Chung. What's he doing? No time. I'll explain later. Chung! Open up. You hear me? Open this door. Not going to stop. Wait a second. Stand aside, Ellie. You, you should not have done that, Mr. Cranston. That was poison. Yes, was poison. You meant to drink it. Nephew, Johnny Lee, committed terrible crime, Mr. Cranston. My family lost much face. Better Chung should die. It'd be a great deal more to the point if you'd stay alive to answer some questions, Chung. I've just come from the herb shop of Sin Fu, and Sin Fu says... Sin Fu? Yes. Excuse me, Mr. Constant. Wait a minute. Where are you going? To room. There's something I forgot. Be back one moment. See that you are. What do you think, Lamont? Is Chung really going to take that poison because he'd lost faith? Or because he feared exposure? It's hard to tell. Why should he have feared exposure unless he knew what Sin Fu was going to tell us? Wait a second. What's the matter? This isn't the daughter Chung's room. What? Look over there. There's the back door, and it's open. He didn't go to his room. He escaped. Of course. He cleared out just as soon as he could when he heard Sin Fu's name. But why? Maybe because he knew what Sin Fu told us. And if he knew... What, Lamont? I'll try to make sure that Sin Fu doesn't repeat it to the police, Margot. 
Come on, we're going back to Sinfu's shop. Sinfu wouldn't come to the front door. I don't know. There was a light on for a moment. I'm almost sure. As long as he wouldn't, we'll have to force this rear door. Is it that important? Could be. Besides, it was obvious that Sinfu didn't scold Alfie because he didn't want him entering the rear of the shop. It's because he didn't want us to see him there. There. Hurry up, step inside. Oh, it's pitch black in one moment, I'll try and find the switch. Here's one. Now, this is the rear room of Sinfu's shop, Margo. wonder why he's... Oh. What's the matter? The moth. Good Lord. Are they bones, Lamont? Quite sure, Margo. Human bones? Looks like it. Boxes over there contain what these do, Margo. We're in the company of a... Couple of dozen skeletons. Lamont, let's get out of here. Not yet, you don't. Alfie! Get your hands up, both of you. Surprise me, Alfie. Oh, I meant to. Don't. Now listen. Wait a minute. What's that? No, What's please. That? Please. Good morning, that's from the front of the shop. What is it? Sounded like Sin Fu, but let's find out, shall we? Oh! Oh, God, that was brutal. Everybody hits me. Never let your guard down for anything, Alfie. Now pick yourself up and march inside. But don't you shoot me. But don't give me an excuse. Lights on, but no one's here. Where does that door go? Into an all elite outside. Right, open it. Well, stop wagging that gun. I said open it. Well, by me, I am. Come on. Oh, Lord. It's. It's sinful. A knife in his throat. Shun stabbed him and propped him there. Watch out. Catch him. He's falling. Turn off the lights. Who turned off those lights? Just a second. I saw a switch over here near the front door. Where do I find her? Careful, Margot. Where? Margot. Good day, Margot. What happened? Where's Alfie? It's the wrong question, Margot. Where's the corpse? Cranston has been investigating a theft and murder in Chinatown. His investigation twice led him to Sin Fu's herb shop, where, on his second visit, he encountered first the little ex-convict, Alfie Nemo, then Sin Fu's body. Immediately afterwards, however, both corpse and Alfie disappeared. And now, a few minutes later, in the alley back of the shop. Well, Alfie and Sin Fu's body have completely vanished, Margo. Let's go back to the shop. Lamont, how did he get out? Simply went down the hall and out the other door. I don't see how Alfie managed to the body. He didn't. He isn't strong enough to carry the body. I'd like to know who did manage it. I know the explanation for all these bones back here. Could... Could all these persons have been murdered? It's hard to tell what to think. Here's something odd, Margaret. What's that? Skull on the workbench here. Notice these steel boxes. Each seems to hold a complete skeleton. This skull seems almost to be a 
extra skull. What could that mean? I wonder. Margo, we've got to get this to police headquarters and see if they can identify it. But how? Check the dental work with Johnny Lee's dentist. Mark, you think this might be Johnny Lee's skull? I'm afraid so, Margo. What are you going to do in the meantime? I'm going back and call on the Honorable Uncle Chung again, Margo. This time as the shadow. Well, it's about time you return, Chung. <laughs> I've been waiting for you. <laughs> Who said that? Where are you? You cannot see me, Chung. I am the shadow. But what? I'll ask the questions, not you, Chung. A strong box has been stolen and a hatchet man killed. They said your nephew, Johnny Lee, committed a crime and that you helped him. That's not true, Shadow. Where were you at the time it happened? Right here. Can you prove that? No, but... Why did you run away from Lamont Cranston? Where did you go? What did you do? I'm not tell anyone. You can tell the Shadow, Chung. Chung, not lawbreaker. But there was strong brother in trouble. I promised help him leave country secretly. Who was that Tong brother? Cannot tell you. Talk, Chung. If you don't, you'll find yourself facing a murder charge. What? Where did you take this man? Where is he now? He, he, at the waterfront, in shed near Pier 32. Waiting to be picked up and taken to a ship? Yes. What's his name? You ask Chung betray him? I'm ordering you to give me the evidence that may save your life. Talk, Chung, talk. His name Sin Fu. What? Chung say Sin Fu. You take the shadow for a fool, Chung? Sin Fu is the very man you murdered. Not true. Sin Fu was found with a knife in his throat. A knife you put there, Chung. Chung not kill Sin Fu. Did not. You had your chance at an alibi, Chung, but you've refused it. Shadow. Sin Fu is dead. And dead men give no alibis. <laughs> Wait, Shadow, come back. No understand, I... Elfie. Hello, Mr. Chung. What? What do you want, Doc? <laughs> your company, Chung. There was some money stolen tonight, and you're going to show me where it is. Well, you were right, Lamont. The police had that skull examined by Johnny Lee's dentist. It was. I was afraid of that. Well, Margot, it looks now as if Johnny Lee was innocent. Sin Fu must have killed both Johnny Lee and the hatchet man. Then took Lee's body away with him to make it look as if Johnny had absconded with the money. And then Sin Fu himself was killed by Chung. The funny part of all this, Margot. When the shadow talked to Chung, he claimed that Sin Fu was alive and at the waterfront. He couldn't. We saw Sin Fu dead with, with a knife in his throat. I know we did. Yet somehow, Chung sounded sincere. Well, if you're beginning to doubt what we saw for ourselves, Lamont, take a look at your sleeve. And something on it? Yes, the red spot, blood. You must have got it when Sin Fu's body toppled over and you tried to catch it. Blood. Red spot. Margo, I've got it. What? Chung wasn't lying. Sin Fu isn't dead. Darling, you're crazy. Am I, Margo? Well, if Sin Fu is alive, I know where he is. Better hold on, darling, because we're going there now and going there fast.
sure this is the place? Has to be. The only shed anywhere near Pier 32. Have you got the flashlight? Yes, right. Okay. Here we are. Get behind me, Mark. Right. All right, the game's up, Sinfu. Harvey. Sinfu doesn't look very much alive to me, Ramon. Bring that flashlight a little closer. See something? Take a look, Margot. It was right after all. But he is dead. But look how he died. From a bullet through the heart. But he was stabbed through the throat. No. Sinfu faked that. I knew he had when you pointed out this spot on my sleeve and mentioned that it was still red. Blood would have turned black. What? Oh, of course it would have. But then, why did he fall? Because he was skipping the country with the money. If we'd reported Sinfu dead, no one would have suspected what really became of him. I see. But who killed him? The man who took his keys. What? Look there. See that belt loop? Mm -hmm. It's torn. That is where Sinfu carried his keys. The murderer ripped them away. What does that tell us? It tells us that Sinfu must have the money locked up somewhere. Margot, if we mean to catch Sinfu's killer, we'd better find that money box before he does. Come on, let's start looking. Sure, you're taking me to the right place, Chunk. Yes, this pier thirty-two, where Sinfu left from before getting boot. All right, then get out. But watch yourself. Uh, let me see. Uh, oh yes, here it is. Sinfu's trunk hidden back of Pally. <laughs> open it up. But remember. One funny move and I'll put a bullet where it'll do you the most harm. And me the most good. Margot? You found anything, Lamar? No, but look over there. What is it? Cars just pulled in beside the pier. Come on, we're going to investigate. Blimey, the money's got to be in that trunk, Chum. Uh, uh, yes. Yes, it's here. Uh, you see it? Yes. Still in box. Has not even been opened. <laughs> Sinfu never even had time. <laughs> Just set it down, Chum. Then walk up a couple of steps. What? What are you going to do? <laughs> what do you suppose? You going to kill Chum? You think I'm going to leave your lies to tell about this? <laughs> Back up. To the edge of the pier. Go on. Walk. Before, before you shoot, how you know money be here? What do you care? Where you're going, it won't matter whether you know or not. But... Keep going. Right to the edge. And stop. Further. Further. That's it. Now. Listen, my friend, now, please. I'll just put a couple of holes in you so you'll sink faster. No, please. Get ready for your last swim, Chunk. Who's holding my arm? Hey, let go. <laughs> it is Shadow again. I'll kill him. Where is he? Where is he? 
You cannot kill what you can't see, Alfie. Now I'll take that gun. Let me go. Let me go. Ah. Now then, pick it up, Chung. Uh, I, I have it, Shadow. Hey, you ain't got nothing on me. You killed Sin Fu, Alfie. That gun is going to prove it. You're crazy. I don't even know where Sin Fu is. You're lying, Alfie. You know where Sin Fu is because you and he both escaped from his earth shop at the same time. Immediately after he faked his death and the lights went out. I, what's that prove against me? You saw Sin Fu get into Chung's car. You followed. Saw Chung drive Sin Fu to that shed over there. When Chung left, you killed Sin Fu and took his keys. You came back to find the money with Chung's help. Uh, uh, try and prove it. The law will prove by that gun that you killed Sin Fu. Gun? And I think that Chung will testify you had the keys to this trunk when you came back. Boss, you let me go, Shadow. Take your hands off me. I shall, Alfie. I shall take my hands off you. Very soon. And deliver you into those of the law. Lamont, there's something you still haven't told me. What all those bones were doing in the rear of Sin Fu's shop? They were there for a perfectly legitimate reason, Margot. Just the same, they gave Sin Fu the idea for his crime. What do you mean? Well, in addition to being a shop owner, Sin Fu was also a bone polisher. A bone polisher? What on earth is that? Well, often Chinese who are buried in this country are exhumed and sent back to China for reburial. In that case, their bones are polished and put in little steel caskets like those we saw in the rear of Sin Fu's shop. Well, then when Sin Fu killed Johnny Lee, he thought he'd never be questioned about the bones because he was a bone polisher by trade. Exactly. Well, there's one more thing, Lamont. Hmm? If Chung wasn't in on any of this, why was he helping Sin Fu to leave the country? Because he never realized that Sin Fu had anything to do with the robbery or the murders. Remember, Sin Fu made all the arrangements before he committed his crime. Chung saw no connection. Sin Fu was clever. Clever? Well, maybe, Margot. Just the same to recoin an old saying wages of Sin Fu were death. copyrighted by Street and Smith Publications, Incorporated. The characters' names, places, and plot are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Again next week, the shadow will demonstrate that the weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. <laughs> Next week, same time, same station, your friendly blue coal dealer brings you another strange and thrilling adventure in The Shadow's daring battle against the forces of evil. The Shadow is presented by the DL&W Coal Company, distributors of blue coal. Lamont Cranston is played by Brett Morrison. Margot by Grace Matthews. Your announcer is Andre Barouche. Remember, it's blue coal for finest heating service. It's blue coal for finest modern equipment. It's blue coal for the best home heat Money can buy. Stay tuned for Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis next on Theater of the Mind. 
Time now for two guys who were at the top of their game when this episode was first aired in 1949. I'm referring to Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. In 1945, Dean Martin met a young Jerry Lewis at the Glass Hat Club in New York City, where both men were performing. And when Lewis suggested to the club owner that Martin would be a good replacement for the scheduled singer who was unavailable, it seemed like a good idea. But the duo were not well received. The owner, Skinny D'Amato, threatened to terminate their contract if the act didn't improve. So Martin and Lewis disposed of pre-scripted gags and began improvising. Martin sang, and Lewis, dressed as a busboy, dropping plates and making a shambles of Martin's songs and a mockery of the club's decorum. They performed slapstick and delivered vaudeville jokes to great fanfare. The audiences were convulsed with laughter by Lewis interrupting and heckling Martin while he was trying to sing, and ultimately by the two of them chasing each other around the stage and having as much fun as possible. And that fun continued on radio. Their special guest tonight is actor Victor Moore. Broadcasting Company brings you transcribed from Hollywood, the Martin and Lewis Show. Our guest tonight is Victor Moore. And featuring Flo McMichael, Sheldon Leonard, Ben Alexander, Dick Stabile and his orchestra, and starring Dean Martin. You sigh, the song begins. You speak and I hear violins, it's magic. Yes, it was magic. That night on a back porch. When you smiled, I heard violins. When you kissed me, I heard angel voices. When your father came out, I heard all over. <laughs> well, last week, Dean and Jerry opened an engagement at Ciro's Nightclub in Hollywood. Business has been sensational. That started them thinking. And now we find them entangled in a scheme to buy a nightclub of their own. It all started when they were having breakfast in their apartment the other morning. I don't feel so well. I think maybe something's wrong with me. Working hard, doing two shows every night. You should take better care of yourself. Soapy, what brings you all the way over from next door at this time of the day? Well, I uh, just wanted to grab a gander at the sporting pages. You know, I had a bad break this morning. My, my neighbor on the other side of the hall, he got up early and he beat me to his paper. <laughs> so interested in the newspaper first thing in the morning, Soapy. Well, I always like to check on my investments, you know. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, 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 there it is. I had, I had Black Shetty and the Feist of Tanfran yesterday paid 24 to 2. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, look, I had the winner in the third, the fifth, and the seventh races, too. And look, the Dodgers win for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I had a fin on the Green Panther and the wrestling at the stadium. Yes, sir. <laughs> How'd you come out on the day, Soapy? Lose 18 bucks. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, look, here's your pictures in the papers. Now appearing at Ciro's, it says. Hey, you know, you boys, you do a great act. I caught you open at night. Oh, were you at Ciro's opening night? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where, where, where were you sitting? I had a very cheap table. It was in no man's land. <laughs> no man's land? Yeah, yeah. The table between Hedda and Luella. <laughs> Miss 
prizes in Miss Hopper gave us some very nice reviews, and it's helped a lot. Every night, the people are packed in like caviar. Jerry, like sardines. At other clubs, yes, but at zeros, they're packed in like caviar. <laughs> You're drawing crowds that big every night, hey? You know something? That gives me an idea. What are you going to do when you finish your engagement there? Oh, we're going to take a little vacation. I want to go to Palm Springs. Jerry, the vacation idea is all right, but Palm Springs is a winter resort. It's too hot there now. It's at least 120 degrees in the shade. Oh, that's all right. We'll stay out in the sun. <laughs> we'll stay out in the sun. That was a swifty. <laughs> Hey, listen to me, listen. You boys won't want to go away anywhere when you hear this sensational idea of mine. Ah, no, Sofa. You don't get a penny out of us. Oh, wait a minute, my boy. Courage. Where would Robert Fulton be today if he had been afraid to say those magic words, let him eat cake? (laughs) Remember that? Remember just before he took off with Kitty Hawks? Remember? You know, you sound like you learned history from a wet reader's digest. <laughs> Seems too smart for you, Soapy. You'll never outsmart him. Oh, you think so, eh? Yeah. You better talk to me. <laughs> That's an excellent suggestion. Now, Jerry, my boy, how would you like to own your own nightclub, huh? My own nightclub? Yeah. Oh, boy. Imagine me with a big nightclub right in Hollywood. See, you boys are drawing a lot of cash customers into that Cyro's joint for the guy that owns the place. <laughs> what you ought to do is you ought to own your own nightclub. We're doing all right, Soapy. Oh, yeah, sure you are. But when you own your own nightclub, you see, you do your own act in it, and the whole thing belongs to you. Now, look, I'll show you. Say that Sam, your bartender, say he takes in $1,000. Now, who pockets the dough? We do. No, no. Sam does. He's my brother. <laughs> you boys have got it all wrong You see, at the end of the day You open the cash register And then I figure out how to divide the profits Oh no, I'm going to take half And I'm going to take the other half Hey, wait a minute, you boys are leaving me out in the cold Go sleep with Sam <laughs> Well, I'll admit that I, I'd like to be in business for myself, Sophie But uh, how could Jerry and I ever own a nightclub? Well, now I happen to know of a nice little club That you could lease real cheap Four thousand bucks. Gee. That's one of them. Keep going, kid. Just three more G's and you're an escort. <laughs> so, how, how do you figure it'll cost us four thousand dollars to get a lease on this little club you have in mind? Well, I'll tell you. There's, uh, there's. Let's see. There's two hundred and fifty for fixtures, and there's uh, two hundred and fifty for supplies. There's five hundred for rental, and uh, and there's um, three thousand bucks for goodwill. Three thousand for goodwill? Yeah, he's a cousin of good Sam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, just think of it, kid. I can see that sign out front now. The sign that says the Martin and Lewis Club, huh? Well, I am supplying the brains. It's up to you to get the money. Okay, Soapy. We'll try to raise the cash somehow. That's the spirit. Let me know how you make out. I'll see you later. Gee, Dean, I'm surprised you went for Soapy's idea so fast. I didn't go for it at first, but uh, if we could get the money, it's worth looking into. Yeah. Gee, a nightclub of our very own. Huh? Come in. Uh, who is it? It's me. <laughs> oh, it's Florence, our secretary. How are you, Florence? Oh, I'm 
fine. I brought in your fan mail. Here's 412 letters for you, Mr. Martin, and Mr. Lewis. Yes? Here's your letter. <laughs> Only one letter for me. Dean gets 412. See, every day this happens. Dean gets 412 letters and I get one. Well? Well, I'm getting sick of it. Do you hear? Sick, sick, sick. <laughs> What would you say if I told you that Sophie's got a deal where Dean and I will own a nightclub? Oh, that'd be wonderful. But where do I fit in? I couldn't be your secretary anymore. Well, maybe you could do something else. Maybe you could be the cigarette girl. Oh, I couldn't be a cigarette girl. I don't smoke. Lawrence, <laughs> you don't have to smoke. You just sell the smokes to customers. And just think, you could wear an abbreviated costume. Oh, no. Florence McMichael doesn't walk around in any abbreviated costume. Why not? I don't want people to see my initials. <laughs> All right, Florence, you can wear any costume you want. I wonder if I could really sell cigarettes. Let's see, how does that slogan go again? Call for Max Morris. <laughs> Call for Max Morris. Max Morris? Yeah, he's a nephew of Sam. <laughs> Lawrence, you don't seem to understand what we're talking about at all. Well, I don't know much about nightclubs. I've only been to one in my whole life. Really? What one was that? Quarantine Garden? Macombo? No, it was that other one. Slapsy Messy. Flapsy <laughs> messy <laughs> Lawrence It's not flapsy messy <laughs> It's floppy messy I'll see you later Bye Bye Look Where do people go when they need money? To a loan company. Hey, that's not a bad idea, Jerry. I'll tell you what. You look up the address of the nearest loan company, and meanwhile, I'll just run over one of the songs I'm going to sing tonight at Cyril's. How's that? Oh, that would be just cardinal. Sing it, man. <laughs> took too much for granted I never thought I'd lie awake and sigh where are you now that I need you now that I love you so madly I could die I had you at my beck and call I called you any time at all I guess it took too much for granted I never thought I'd lie awake 
and sigh, where are you? Now that I need you, now that I love you, so manly I can die. You know, Jerry, I hope we can swing this deal. I've sort of fallen in love with the idea of owning our own nightclub, being our own bosses, and working for ourselves. Yeah, me too. I can hardly wait to get started. Well, here's the loan company office. The confidential loan company. Let's go in. Uh, pardon me, mister. Are you connected with the confidential loan company? That's right. Come right into my private office. Look, mister, we're Martin and Lewis Oh, yes, I saw your picture in Quick Magazine You're the pixelated pair <laughs> Well, that's right Let me handle this, Dean Look, mister, I'll come right to the point I'm Jerry Lewis, the comedian So let's snap it right up What do you say? I'll just take $4,000 uh, Well, let's see Anything of value in the way of assets? Well, I got a life insurance policy for $1,000 how much premium do you pay? $1,000 a year. Jerry, you pay $1,000 a year for $1,000 worth of life insurance? Yeah. You're in a tough spot. You lose money if you die and you can't afford to go on living. <laughs> I'm afraid your insurance isn't worth very much. Tell you what, why don't you take out a note for the money and get a co-signer to guarantee it for you? A who-signer? A co-signer. Do you happen to know a respectable party? No, but I can take you to one tonight where they play spin the bottle. <laughs> I'm sure you won't have any trouble finding somebody. Look, my files are full of co-signed notes. Here's one co-signed by the Second National Bank. Here's another co-signed by Victor Moore. And here's I another... I the idea, mister. Thanks a lot. I think I know where I can get a co-signer. Come on, Dean. So long. Jerry, what was the idea of rushing me out of there? Didn't you hear him, Dean? He said Victor Moore co-signed one of those notes. What about it? Well, he's an actor. He's in show business. I bet he'll help us out. Yeah, it might work at that, Jerry. Come on, we can't lose anything by uh, going to see him. Yes, come in. Uh, Mr. Moore? Yes, I'm Victor Moore. Say, will you excuse me a moment? I'm on the telephone. Well, sure. Go right ahead. And, uh, James, uh, call the laundry and tell them to put more starch in my union suit next week. <laughs> I fell down three times this morning before I found out what was wrong. <laughs> and be sure to tell the cook to boil my breakfast egg tomorrow a full three minutes. That's all. Goodbye. Gee, you're very particular about your food, aren't you, Mr. Moore? I have to be. Our eggs here are so fresh that when the cook doesn't boil them long enough, it's nip and tuck who eats who. <laughs> <laughs> but enough of this small talk. Now, what do you fellas want? Well, I'm Dean Martin. This is my partner, Jay Lewis, and we're trying to buy a nightclub, and we need help. 
Well, I sure hope you find some. <laughs> no, if you'll excuse me, I got Wait to go... Wait a minute, to... Mr. Moore. We thought that you might like to help a couple of young fellas in show business. Gee, didn't anyone ever help you when you were starting out? Well, yes. I was taught to play the trumpet by a friendly seal. <laughs> Come on, Mr. Moore, you must be kidding us. Yes, of course I was. I used that joke in Louisiana Purchase back in 1940. Maybe so, but I don't know much about show business back in those old days. <laughs> Please, Mr. Moore, I-, I really didn't mean anything by that. All I meant was that you've been a big star for years. You were acting on a stage before I was even born. And just when will that be? <laughs> I said either, Jerry. As a matter of fact, I've heard that you're a very funny comedian. Oh, I'm not half as funny as you are, Mr. Moore. Oh, oh, yes, you are. Oh, no, I'm not. Well, maybe you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Try to be nice to a guy and he kills you. (laughs) Mr. Moore, the real reason we're here is to ask you to co-sign a note. You see... We're trying to raise $4,000 to buy a nightclub, and the man at the loan company said we have to get a co-signer. Oh, I'm afraid I couldn't do that. I wouldn't have anything to do with a nightclub. How long has it been since uh, you've been in a nightclub? Well, let's see. I guess it's about 1890, at the St. Louis World's Fair. (laughs) (laughs) They had the French can-can dances, but you boys are too young to hear about that. Uh, Mr. Moore, nightclubs are different today. Now, they're real nice places. Look, why don't you come over to Cyril's tonight and watch Jerry and me do our act? Oh, that'd keep me up past my bedtime. (laughs) I don't think I'd be happy there. (laughs) What? I don't... (laughs) I don't think I'd be happy there. Yeah, I know what you mean. Can I say something, fellas? <laughs> Look, Mr. Moore, I'm sorry if you don't like nightclubs, but after all, you want to be fair about this, don't you? Well, yes. Then it's all settled. You come down to Ciro's tonight at 9 o'clock and be our guest. And when you see how nice the nightclub is, you'll be glad to co-sign our note. Well, okay, Jerry. I'll see you at nine. Bye. Bye. Hey, Florence, this was a good idea I had, getting you a job as a cigarette girl here at Zero's. When we get our own club, you'll know all about it then. Florence? Hey, Florence? Come on out from behind the screen. You must have your cigarette girl costume on by now. Cigarette girl. Well, I think I look more like somebody stuck a pipe cleaner through a Dr. Scholl's foot pad. <laughs> ah, you look fine. You'll do great selling cigarettes, Florence. Well, I'll try, but I'm worried. What if I run into some drunk who's fallen on the floor? Oh, that's easy. 
Just tell him a lucky so he can feel his level best. <laughs> tell him a lucky so he can feel his level best. <laughs> I'll be all right. Well, here I go. Cigars, cigarettes, call for Max Morris. <laughs> I'll see you later, Florence. I got to introduce Dean's song. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Zero. Right now, I'd like to present that handsome young fella whose romantic voice has been thrilling the whole country lately. However, I have a sore throat tonight, so my partner Dean Martin will sing instead. Thank you, mighty Joe Young. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the number Jerry is going to let me sing is one I do in the Hal Wallace picture, My Friend Irma, called Just for Fun. Stirring up a draft. Hi, <laughs> Mr. Moore. It's me, Jerry Lewis. Hey, what are you doing sitting back here? We had a table reserved for you down front. I asked for this table. I have to be close to the wall so I can plug in my heating pad. <laughs> How do you like nightclubs so far? I'm not very happy. It's so crowded in here, and the lights are so low it isn't safe. Well, what do you mean? I bent over to tie my shoe and the lady at the next table started buttering me. (laughs) 
She thought I was an onion roll. You should complain. Yesterday, a guy tried to break me in half. He thought I was a breadstick. It's so stuffy. <laughs> the smoke is so thick, you can cut it with a knife. I know. And try a piece with ice cream on it. It's delicious. <laughs> Thank you, boys, for your invitation, but I don't think I'd better stay any longer. Oh, Mr. Moore, you can't go. You haven't co-signed our notes so we can buy the nightclub we told you about. Oh, I've decided I don't want anything to do with a nightclub. They haven't got anything that appeals to a vital, red-blooded man like some French girls doing the can-can. The can-can? That would make a good opener. Ha Stay right here at the table, Mr. Moore, and I'll see that you meet a real French can-can dancer. Hey, Jerry, hey. How's it going? Oh, boy, am I glad to see you, Dean. Mr. Moore wants to go home. You better go over to the table and talk to him. I gotta find someone for him. Okay, now hurry back. Where am I gonna find a French can-can dancer? This would happen on a one night I didn't wear my BVDs with the ruffles. <laughs> French can-can girl. French can can girl. Cigarettes call for Max Morris. Florence. Hey, Florence. We're on a spot and you gotta help us. You have to pretend you're a French girl. Oh, I couldn't do that, Mr. Lewis. Oh, it'll be easy to fool Mr. Moore. All you have to know are a few French words like, um, uh, we, we miss you, um, Craig Suzette and, um, General de Gaulle. <laughs> J- just those few. We, we, monsieur. Crepe, Suzette, General de Gaulle. Just those few. Just those few. Come on, now, and I'll introduce you to Mr. Moore. Uh, uh, pardon me, Dean, uh, Mr. Moore. I'd like to present a very charming friend of mine. Uh, you've heard of Madame Pompadour? Oh, yes, yes, of course. Well, meet Mademoiselle Crewcut. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, uh... Of course, we call her Mimi here at the club, Mr. Moore, and, and you know what? Mimi is just crazy about older men. Ah, I kiss your hand, mademoiselle. Ah, uh, Mimi, can you imagine the boys here think I'm an older man? Oui, oui, monsieur. <laughs> well, don't say that, Mimi. I may not be a youngster anymore, but you've got to admit I'm built like a... Like a... Great Suzette. <laughs> Mimi, Mimi, you're so lovely. Your eyes, your lips, your figure. You know what you remind me of? General de Gaulle. <laughs> come, come, sit close to me, Shari. There, now run your fingers through my hair. Just those few. <laughs> General Degas. Oui, oui, monsieur. Darling, je vous aime beaucoup. Oui, mini, mini, Well, Mr. Moore, uh, do you like nightclubs a little better now? Yeah, you bet. I'm really living. Oh, pack up my parachute, mother. I'm flying tonight. <laughs> Lawrence, sn- snuggle up to him a little closer. Florence, I thought you said her name was... Mimi. General de Gaulle. Mimi, Miss Stop that. Why did you call this girl Florence? Mimi, I think he's on to you. <laughs> oh, it's no use, Jerry. Mr. Moore knows Florence isn't really a French girl. 
Of course, I was on to it all the time. I knew you invited me down here to get me to sign that note. You worked so hard to make me happy, you even tried to get a can-can girl. I decided you're a good risk after all. You, you, you mean you'll sign a note for us? Yes, on one condition. Florence, you will have to let me drive you home tonight. Drive me home? That's right. How about it? Dum dee dum 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 dum. Okay, boys, give me that note. I'll co-sign it. There. Well, come on, Florence. I'm right with you. Oh, mother, you better hurry with that parachute. I'm falling fast. <laughs> Bye, Mr. Moore. Thanks. Dean, isn't it wonderful? Now we can borrow $4,000 and have our own nightclub. Yeah, no more working for somebody else. Every night we'll take the profits and divide them evenly. 60-40. 60-40? What happened to 50-50? Jerry, you don't even understand simple arithmetic. Look, how much is 50-50? 100. How much is 60-40? 100. See, it comes out the same. <laughs> Not so silly. For a minute there, I thought you were trying to jip me. <laughs> Good night. See you next week. Good night, Mom and Dad. Martin Lewis Show, transcribed in Hollywood, is produced by Robert L. Redd and written by Ray Allen and Dick McKnight with Cy Rose and Mort Lockett. Next week, our guest will be Billy Burke. This is Ben Alexander, suggesting you tune in to your NBC station each Tuesday evening at the same time for the Martin and Lewis Show. Thank you for listening, and thanks as well to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I hope you'll be with me next week when I'll uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.